Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, but we have a special guest today, and he was brought to my attention by uh, Mark Benucci in Australia, and uh, we're going to try to have a number of guests. We've already had a few guests over the last few weeks, uh, but I think this guest is very much right on. He's discovered a number of things that we've been talking about for quite some time. Uh, hopefully, by the end of this two-hour session, if he can stay the whole two hours, that so we don't offend him in the in the process, uh, that iron sharpens iron, and maybe we'll learn something from each other. Because it's very clear by his blogs that he's done some homework, uh, something that we've all needed to do for quite a long time, uh, and he's come to some of the conclusions that to us are self-evident, and evidently to him has become self-evident. So without me going on and on, I'm going to let uh, Clint Richardson uh, introduce himself, and then we'll talk about a few of the recent blogs that he's made and uh, see if we can't all learn something today. So Clint, tell us how you, where you came from, how you got on this particular path, and uh, just tell our listeners a little bit about you. Sure. Thanks for having me today. I, uh, you know, I don't really have a bio per se to give to people. I know when people ask, I'm always like, "Well, what do I do?" I, I just am a researcher. That's it. I don't, you know, I'm not selling anything. I, I don't have anything to offer people except information. I, it, it's, it's. I think it's bizarre sometimes for people to try to figure out what this guy is doing. You know, why is he, why is he going out of his way to? To say these things when he doesn't have anything to sell me, he's trying. He's telling me th these things and not trying to sell me gold or storable food. What's going on here? I've, I've heard this before, so it's a it's a little offsetting for some people. Um, honestly, uh, there was a point where I was uh, I was in Hollywood as a as a professional sound designer, uh, making lots of money, putting all kinds of really demonic, horrific sounds to uh, video games and movies, and. Uh, I was listening to the radio one day, a long time ago. It's been seven years now, I think. Uh, and <laughs> there was a guy on there, and he was uh, talking about the. Well, he would he would, he lived on the military base in New Mexico, and he would leave his family on the base, go to work just like anybody else, nine to five. And he would step into a video game booth, or what could be described as a little video game booth, grab some controls, and start flying the drones in uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and uh, now, uh, as we've seen, America. But he would go and he would start bombing families, bombing women and children, and, and occasionally, maybe 3% of the time, I think was the quote that he said, they would actually hit their target. There was a three-second delay which has uh, decreased since then, but a three-second delay to uh, to what he was seeing from the drone camera in Iraq, and he's sitting there in New Mexico, and he would go home every night to his family as if he'd just returned from a normal day's work. 
And that was the, 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 the turning point for me as I was sitting there working on a game called uh, Resident Evil um, that um, I decided that I didn't want to do this anymore. I wanted to, I wanted to start really understanding what was happening. And put all my put all my work aside. I I, I left civilly and and gave my notice and and was out of there. And I I moved away from Los Angeles because it's it's just the pit of 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 hell, if you don't mind me saying. And uh, I ended up in Salt Lake City and have been uh, doing my thing ever since. Um, I, I guess I'm just a, a a researcher without a PhD. Is basically the way I I refer to myself. And I don't have anybody sponsoring me. I I I. It's just a complete. Uh, <laughs> when you hear something from me, it's it's because it's how it is. I don't I don't have anybody that I have to, no corporate sponsors, no nothing that I have to be careful about what I say, and therefore I, I don't get to go on on mainstream or anything else. But I, I I do I do make my rounds around the radio, so it's 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 fun and um, uh, controversial, which is which is fun. The truth is always controversial. So well. Uh... You must have done some research on your own. Uh, you didn't. That's where you started. Uh, you've got a lot of things in your blogs that show that you've done. Like I said, your homework. Uh, you come to the conclusion that we don't really own our kids. Uh, you you understood that the uh, marriage through the state is a three-party contract. Uh, you you know you've discovered that. Title 42, Section 666, uh, uh, requires a Social Security number for about everything. Uh, we actually were publishing back when they were originally passing the bills that ended up being codified in that section, which was uh, an Insurance Portability Act, uh, Sections 512, 511, and 513 that was going to make that Social Security number required to get everything from a driver's license to a marriage license. Uh, but so many people, I mean, when you're talking millions of people in, in America, are completely oblivious to any of that. So you, where did you go to start getting your research? Uh, well, you know, the, fir mentors? The, the first thing I, I did actually was... Uh, contact a guy named Walter Burian because I'd heard him on the radio a couple times. Walter is uh, a very much sought-after guest, uh, but only does the bigger shows. Um, and I contacted him, and I had this particular set of skills. I mean, I could make a whole movie. I could uh, do all the sound for a movie. And then I learned video skills on my own and started making my own movies. But for, for this instance, uh, I had contacted Walter and said, look, I, I am... A professional guy who who wants to offer my services for free because I know no one's really you know supporting you enough to make the movie that you want to make. And we talked a while, and he decided that uh, I was sincere and came up, and we spent about a week, well actually about two weeks up here in uh, Salt Lake City, and uh, we ended up making a movie called the the biggest game in town, or was it the only game in town? One of the one of those two. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was one of the few people, I think, that are fortunate enough to actually meet and get to know Walter uh, and actually really understand what he was saying. I could ask questions, and and we found that I, I would ask him questions that he hadn't thought before, and so, he you know, he, he 
started mentoring me because I had an understanding of things that uh, most people apparently didn't. And I spent years looking through what's called the Comprehensive Annual Financial Reports because you can't just you can't just listen to an interview and understand how these things work, and you certainly can't read a financial statement from government without spending years trying to figure out what the heck those things actually say. It's kind of like U.S. code. You know, you have to learn this whole other language of legality uh, to understand the law. So, really, that was my first step, and what a big step it is because you must understand, of course, that uh, these comprehensive annual financial reports are the real budget of government. In other words, the, the budgets that come out in the public for public consumption, even though these are public documents, these comprehensive annual financial reports, they are also very much a, a, an open secret, very, very hidden to the point that people have no idea. I was just talking to a, a city councilman here in uh, the Salt Lake area who wanted to understand it because he had no idea what the comprehensive annual financial report was. He only knew what the budget report was. And basically your budget shows your taxes. Uh, well, I, I like to say tax in and tax out, what the government collects in tax and what it spends uh, in tax. And often they spend more than they collect. But they're not telling you about all the investments they make with that taxpayer money. So two-thirds of the money in government is never seen by the public. And at this point, it's getting into the trillions of dollars that people have no idea is there. Meanwhile, we're all starving out here. You know, we're all, uh, you know, cures for cancer and alternative energies that would completely shut down the whole oil and gas and electric industries are, are floating around out here with nobody having the funding or the ability to utilize those things because government is hoarding so much money that it is uh it's it's unfathomable uh you know most people think in terms of thousands or millions where we're talking about trillions and quadrillions uh that's, that's just slightly out of sight from people because they don't know they just don't know about this comprehensive annual financial report and so that's that was really my breakthrough uh point where i said wow Things are not at all what they seem, and from there, once once you understand that, you you really start understanding the reasons why everything is happening. You understand that government literally is the shareholder, the main shareholder, controlling shareholder in corporations, both domestic and international. You understand that when the news media says that China owns some of America's debt. It's actually America putting American money into American corporations in China and then borrowing from itself, you see. So so everything that you hear in the news, I found, is completely off kilter. It doesn't make sense anymore. I, I can't even listen to the news without almost trying because it's just it's such a lie. And so... The beautiful thing about all of my research is I don't really go, I don't really go places unless I have the <laughs> the, the the facts to back me up, so I'll I'll source everything very very tightly, so that if someone does try to argue, I can pull up the resources and say, look, here it is, read for yourself. I'm not going to talk about uh, things that I can't prove for the most part. I'll speculate, but for the most part, what you hear is is straight out of uh, out of government documents and U.S. code and everything else. So, right uh, now, Walter. Uh 
I've never heard him talking about these things like the contractual nature of uh, marriage, the three-party contract that is there. Uh, did you get that somewhere else, or is that just something you stumbled on, or? Yeah, I mean, I started I started doing some uh, some interviews, started uh, uh, meeting people. It's amazing the kind of people that you start meeting once you get into the radio circuit. And again, I've never been paid for one show I've ever done. I've done hundreds at this point, which is fine with me. It's it's not the point. Um, but you know, I've met people like Hal Anthony. Hal Anthony's a wonderful resource. He's a miner. Knows mining law, uh, which is which is actually Title 43, uh, the, the the public lands, and uh, he's actually started one of the only mining uh, districts in the country. And, and truly, mining is the only way that you can uh, actually obtain government land. Uh, you know, the Bureau of Land Management holds on to all this land until people claim it. People again, that 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 is lost in the public. And so, Hal is a very much a a wonderful, wonderful person that, that we have uh, wonderful conversations, uh, and you know he's shown me a, a lot in U.S. code. And, and again, once you're shown these things, you start reading and you start realizing that what you've what you've always thought about things. For instance, the Constitution is a, is a, a perfect example of the you know, the rose-colored glasses that we all all wear, because it, it seems like no one's actually read the Constitution. And, and boy, if you do, and if you actually go over it with a fine-tuned comb, it's one of the most frightening documents I think I've ever come across. It it doesn't certainly doesn't give people rights, unless you consider a, a, a right, uh, you know, the taking of your life, liberty, and property. I, I don't consider the Constitution at all a contract that holds me in any way. Uh, the Constitution of No Authority, as Spooner would say. So, I mean, I you know, I look at these things and I start rearranging some of the words and understand what they actually say, uh, and it's it's quite frightening to me. So, it's it's really, I mean, it, it boils down to, to to strictly research. Most people are not going to sit down and read U.S. code and and try to find answers that way. I'm just one of those people that that have been able to. Go through financial reports, go through U.S. code, go through SEC documents, and actually be able to read them and sort of interpret the the hidden language that, that that's in there. Yeah, that's uh that's kind of the road that we've we've gone. I've also gone back in history. One, uh, I, I always told people that I was a constitutionalist for about 15 minutes, and then I actually read it. Um, and then I changed, and then of course now we've got a book that we all our books are available online for free. You, you don't have to pay us anything either. But uh, uh, contracts, covenants, and constitutions, uh, we point out clearly that the majority of the people in America are in opposition to the Constitution. And these are the people that supposedly just won their freedom uh with the so-called American Revolution which really wasn't a revo revolt of the people the king was revolting and about a third of the people uh were free already because they actually owned land that couldn't even be taxed if the king wanted to tax it uh people don't know that history because about 100 years ago uh people started deleting information from our history books so you have to go back get a hundred year old history book to find out what actually happened and people have been 
extremely dumbed down. They don't realize that the Constitution, we the people, was the people whose names were at the bottom, didn't have to do anything with the rest of the people. And the Supreme Court says that the people weren't a party to it. Uh, but since then, they've become a party to it and a lot more uh, because of their contracting, covenanting, with these entities we call government and entities that the government creates. Um, and that's where it, one of the Plutarch was uh, one of the guys who said the greatest destroyers of freedom of the givers of gifts, gratuities, and benefits. And we also talk about the social contract. The social contract is when man departs from the state of nature in order to he enters into a state that is separate from that state of nature. Well, that state of nature was where all your rights were. Over here, you have these privileges and permissions, and you don't own anything, and you are owned, and et cetera, et cetera. So we've been writing about this for a long time, and in your uh, uh, article uh, or your blog where you talk about the mark of the beast, uh, International Social Security Association, you mentioned. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? That's something we haven't hit on much, the International Social Security Association. Uh, and I think it will lead us into some uh, additional information that we can share with our listeners if we talk about that. Sure. It's... Uh... It literally is. Well, first of all, let's 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 lay it on the line. How did Social Security start? Where did this thing come from? Whose idea was it? Well, turns out it was a League of Nations, and the League of Nations was prior to the uh, what the United Nations. It became the United Nations. The League of Nations was not very liked by the people, kind of like the Constitution, and uh, so. It didn't go over well, and so it kind of morphed into the United Nations. Well, while it was the League of Nations, uh, of course, it created this sort of social contract, this social uh, insurance thing where, you know, everybody would, would have a pension, basically. Now, the pension plans, of course, are the most successful uh, investment schemes, and they're called schemes. Let, let, let there be no mistake. When you when you search for pensions, you will find that they are literally called schemes, insurance schemes, and everything else. Pensions are the most successful investments in the world. There's 26 trillion dollars sitting around in those pension funds, so naturally they're gonna they're gonna want to start these things. Uh, this is how government over the last 70 years has taken over the entire marketplace of uh, the world, basically, and it's because of these investments in these pension funds and other uh, types of joint authorities and stuff. But we <laughs> we see that Social Security was actually created eight years before it was implemented in the United States. So that's a very important thing to understand. So we're not just saying, oh, it's a conspiracy, da 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 da. No, it's actually a plan. You see, conspiracy is a plan, a plan between two or more people. And so when you see that over 130 countries are now signed up as Social Security members. Um, China, for instance. I mean, you want to really hit this home. Look, China has a system, and guess what it's called? Social 
security. Okay, so with a communist country that we uh, despise so much and yet the one that's taking all of our business because America is setting up shop in all these countries while it takes over the, the, the world through military uh, intervention, occupation, uh, you know, you've got a situation where all these countries are now joining the social security system, all the first world countries especially, um, and it's, it's spreading out. Um, as the global mark of the beast. What else can you call it? It's the number of the beast. If everybody has a number, everybody's marked with this number, even though they're not physically marked, it's the precursor to what we're talking about when we say that mark, you know, that a lot of people call it a chip, a lot of people, a lot of people revert to the original, um, you know, biblical uh, description and say, no, it has to be this, it has to be specific without expanding their minds a little bit and saying, well, no, it's actually this, and it will manifest itself as something else in the future. But, but before you do that, you have to, you have to catalog, you have to, you have to enumerate, you see, and when you go to the Social Security site, you're going to see the word enumerate quite a bit. And unfortunately, enumerate is what they did in uh, Nazi Germany. Uh, they enumerated the people. IBM Corporation was big on that, making these lists of people, giving them little tattoos, little marks that showed who they were. So essentially, you have 130 countries in the world, now part of the global social security system, and this is run by the World Bank uh, through uh, what, it's, what are called human development uh, organizations, and, of course, that's the United Nations. So literally... The United States is in contract with over 20 different countries uh, to make sure that you pay your Social Security tax. So this is not a national thing. It's an international thing. And I refer to it as the international market of the beast. Right. Uh, what uh, we'll share with you uh, here and, uh, and our listeners is that uh, this connection, you talk about 130 different countries. At the time of Christ, there was a temple called the Temple at Ephesus, and it was built by 127 different countries, and it actually was the World Bank of its day. People always wondered, or at least we always wondered, what were they doing in all these pagan temples? And the interesting thing is, is they're doing exactly what they're doing today in all the pagan temples, which was they were running things like a social security administration that was underwritten by the temple at Ephesus, built by 127 different member countries. They could sit over 20,000 people in it during board meetings. <laughs> and the Christians were accused of robbing the temple at Ephesus that had the most secure vault in all the Mediterranean. And these are the secrets that, besides the secrets that you've been uncovering, uh, that they've been keeping from us for the last 50 to 100 years. Um, they've been keeping secrets for the last 2,000 years, and the Christians weren't robbing and They weren't breaking into the vault. They were offering an alternative system. What most people don't realize in the Bible, when they talk about Corbin, the Corbin of the Pharisees making the Word of God to none effect, Corbin was a social security system of Judea. It means sacrifice. You sacrifice something for the welfare of everybody else in your community. But 
that word Corban goes way back into ancient history and in the Old Testament. It also was used by the Romans. They spelled it different, Q-O-R-B-A-N. And uh, it was a social security system in Rome. But Rome was originally a republic, became a social democracy, and then an empire. And they had a different form of Corbin. And we're going to talk about that and the social security system when we return to Keys of the Kingdom after a few words from our sponsors and, uh, or at least the sponsors of this radio station. <laughs> so we'll be right back, Clint. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment rights media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar's. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you?
Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, I want to remind you a few announcements. Uh, we are going to have a festival here in Oregon uh, where people are coming from all over the country uh, in the fall, last week of September, first week of October. And if you want to be a part of that, uh, go to the website, org and connect there, connect with the Living Network. And there are people putting together uh, convoys and uh, carpools to, to get different people here from different parts of the country. And we've got lots of room, so let's see if we can't fill it up. If you have a child or a skill you want to share with other people, this is the time to do it. The kingdom was a network, uh, and uh, networking works when you work at networking. So uh, don't forget that. And there may be a meeting in the middle of the country, maybe in uh, South Dakota, uh, for those who want to meet in July. Uh, that's being put together by uh, His Church at Lowe's Hill. And again, join the Living Network, and there are lots of people that will help explain what's going on there. Okay, we're talking to our guest, Clint Richardson, uh, who has done a lot of writing on different aspects of the contractual nature of government, a of, of common talk that we uh, like to speak about here. And we will talk about Social Security, and I saw that there were a number of people that didn't like your article on Social Security uh, being the mark of the beast because they said that the uh, mark had to be in your hand. And uh, we've already done a detailed study of the mark of the beast. It's on the website and showed that the... Uh, Greek word there, epi, for in, can be translated in, upon, uh, all kinds of different ways. It's a generic preposition. It doesn't anything have anything to do with a tattoo. I, we all pretty much agree that Social Security number is the mark of the beast. And if you try to live without one, you'll find that you just about can't buy or sell without one. <laughs> Today, you can't get credit cards, you can't get bank accounts, you can't get jobs, even though uh, the head of the Social Security Department uh, once said the Social Security Act does not require a person to have a Social Security number to live and work in the United States, nor does it require an SSN simply for the purposes of having one. And, and in the rules itself, um, if you look in the uh, Section 20 of the CFRs, uh, it says any person who wishes to file an application for an account number may do so by filing form SS5. So it's a voluntary act, but, yes, they make it very difficult to live without that, and they made it very difficult for the early Christians to live without the Corbin of the Pharisees. But they had spent a number of years gathering together in a network, which we ended up calling Christianity, where they took care of all their social welfare through faith, hope, and charity and what Paul calls the perfect law of liberty. And this is what we think is the solution. And 
probably in the second half of the show we'll be talking a lot more about solutions. But right now is going to quote from the guy from the book written by the guy who devised the Social Security system. And then we'll see where this conversation uh, goes from 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 there. And in that book, which we quote in the book Covenant to the Gods, the president wanted everybody covered for every contingency in life, cradle to grave. He called it under the social insurance system. Um, but the government of the United States is not an insurance company, and so it could be done. Um, they, it, it is not really insurance. They, they sold it as if it was insurance, but it is something else entirely different. And then there's actually two parts to it. One is that it creates this uh, Corbin system of social welfare, and the second one is it also is an employee identification number, which puts you in a Corvee, C-O-R-V-E-E, that's a French term, uh, a statutory laborer subject to tribute, subject to an excise tax on his own labor. So these two things, you can read about this in Employee versus Enslave in the book Covenants of the Gods on the website. But the other quote I wanted to read before we continue is, one could look into the cauldron in which the government and the people of the United States were moving around in response to a new idea. Of course, we know it's not that new. Uh, this was a new type of legislation. Nothing of its sort had ever uh, come before the Congress of the United States. Uh, it took much explaining and much patience. Um, and they're talking about the Social Security Act, uh, which was really a step back into Egypt, which the Bible tells us never to return to. And, it, and there were two major opponents to Social Security. The AMA, which had an exemption until 1960, uh, when they started accepting benefits, and the other one was the Roman Catholic Church. And the Roman Catholic Church objected until uh, a priest met with Eleanor Roosevelt in New York. This is in the book. And after that meeting, they withdrew their objection. And why that was, we'll talk about in another show, or probably won't talk about it on a show. We'll talk about it at the uh, at the festival this fall if anybody wants to bring it up. But anyway, uh, so what do you think about that idea that this is not a new idea, that this was actually going on at the time of Christ? Uh, are you still there? Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's one of my weakness, my weak points, actually, is, um, you know, I'm still a, uh, well, maybe I'm not so young, but I'm still a, a fairly young guy uh, to be espousing so much, you know, have so much information running around in my head. Uh, I'm only 39, um, and I've only been looking into this stuff for, uh, you know, less than a decade, really, uh, uh, after 9-11, basically. Um, and so... One of my weakest uh, subjects, unfortunately, is history, because they certainly don't teach you this stuff in school now, do they? So, I mean, I'm fascinated by that, and I actually would very much like to research that, because, it, it, you know, it makes sense. It, it's, it's, a, it's a, as you said in the beginning, it sounds like a very much a self-evident truth. It, it, it's a perfectly legitimate truth, uh, 
you know, it, it, these things that you just know, uh, especially when you start actually looking at the history of, of this civic system, again, created eight years before, <laughs> you know, it was ready to go eight years before the United States ever got into it. So, yeah, obviously there's there's more of a history to this than, than anyone can know. I, I, I think, though, one of the one of my favorite favorite things to get into is U.S. code because when you start reading U.S. code, it's like it's like a big the big hand of God coming and slapping you in the face because it's uh, well, well let me just read let's let's take one example of U.S. code that again when you take off the rose colored glasses you start to understand what the heck's going on and and. It's my favorite because it's in the same title as Social Security. You know, Title 42 is the public welfare, basically. And of course, anybody that tries to regulate the public welfare, well, that those two words don't really uh, go together. So you can't really regulate the welfare of people. You can only try to make it the best as possible. And that's not what government is doing. I want to just read to you. Uh, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, but it's it's absolutely my favorite part of U.S. Code. It's, it's Title 42, Section 1981. I think it should be Title 1984, but that's just, you know, <laughs> my opinion. Uh, 1981 states, this is a statement of equal rights. And it starts off like they all do. So good. You know, so if, if it would just end at this one point then it would be a fantastic thing. It says, all persons, very important word, with, within the jurisdiction of the United States, the United States being that corporation in Washington, D.C., so all persons within the jurisdiction of the United States shall have the same right in every state and territory to make and enforce contracts, to sue, to be parties, to give evidence, and to the full and equal benefit of all laws and proceedings for the security of persons, not people, but persons, and property as is enjoyed by white citizens. But then it goes on. You know, if it would just stop right there, it might be an okay thing, but it goes on. And shall be subject to like punishment, pains, penalties, taxes, licenses, and exactions of every kind and to no other. So your government has just told you that because you're a citizen, because you are under the jurisdiction of the United States, which claims jurisdiction over every inch of America and, at this point, the world, uh, you are subject to punishment, pains, penalties, taxes, licenses, and exactions. An exaction, to be clear, the definition, the very definition in any legal dictionary you go to of exaction is extortion. Okay? So you have the right, just like you have the right in the Constitution to have everything you own taken away from you, you have the right to punishment, pain, penalties, licenses, taxes, and extortion of every kind. And this is the kind of wording that's all riddled throughout the Constitution, riddled throughout U.S. Code, riddled throughout everything that Congress passes. And for the most part, when it comes to U.S. Code, when it comes to the laws that are created, Congress and government per se, it, it constantly exempts itself from any law it creates. And that's what's most important. When it creates a law that says, hey, we, we're not allowed to, no one's allowed to hurt each other, no, one, no one's allowed to poison or uh, irradiate or test biological weapons on each other, there's always a little thing that says, except if you're a government. <laughs> 
So you have a situation where government passes all these laws, says people can't own slaves, but government can if um, we convict you of a crime, you're our slave. So all these things, all these exemptions go on. And uh, so that's my favorite example of, wow, that is our equal rights. And, and notice also that it says uh, persons and property as is enjoyed by white citizens. And this is very important because at the time when they were thinking of this civil rights, keeping in mind that civil rights have basically been created to cover up uh, any concept of constitutional rights that you might have or rights altogether, uh, you have this legislated right, uh, which are really privileges. And if you think about it, there was only one time in this country, really, when the people were actually free. The only people that were ever free men, and free men is a word, it has a very much a legal definition. Free men, the only free men in this country, really, were slaves. Slaves who had been set free by their masters and wandered the land until civil rights came along and made everybody a citizen under the jurisdiction as a person in the United States. And that is a really, really uh, enlightening you know, thing to think about when you think the only free people were freed slaves. Everybody else was already a citizen, already um you know, required to, to <laughs> have the right of punishment, pains, penalties, taxes, licenses, and extortion. So, you know, I don't know. We, we, you start reading this stuff, you start understanding what it says. You have you you want no part of it. I have I want no part of it. As far as social security goes, it's very important to understand that you are not required, as you said, to use social security. I can go to any job. Uh, and fill out an application, and when they ask for Social Security, I can say no, even though it's in my back pocket, that little straw man of a of a thing. It is not me. I can say no, I do not have a Social Security number because I'm not required to put it there. The problem, the problem that we have is not that you're not required to have one. The problem is that to do business in the state any state, because it's under the jurisdiction of the United States, which is the jurisdiction of Social Security, the problem is that, that companies now are being required through force of threat to take away their business license if they do not, if they do not attempt and even acquire a Social Security number from the person trying to get the job. So it's not so much that you are required to have the Social Security, it's that everybody else, everything that you're interacting with. So if you start controlling everything in the world, if you start controlling every company, every church, every uh, everything, then yeah, you're going to need a Social Security to interact with that world. And that, my friends, is what this is all about. It's not you. It's everything. It's any incorporation that happens that you're giving. Right. That's where it comes from. One of the things that I, I, I see when uh, it's, the government actually says it right, uh, even in their letters when they're threatening those businesses, they say you may be subject to a fine if you do not obtain the individual's Social Security number. <laughs> and just uh, a letter like that from the IRS sends terrors through the uh, uh, hearts of uh, the weak and feeble-minded <laughs> people who are running these businesses. And they absolutely are terrified. Now, we've had people 
working without social security numbers. We actually have a network of people who've never, ever had a social security number. They've become adults now, and they're struggling to survive without that number. And uh, that's part of our network is to help provide them with ways in which they can make a living and live and work in America without selling their souls by well, going out and obtaining a social security number. I, I need to become part of your network. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's open to everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, it's, uh, it's, you know, this is what Christianity was. You know, I, I read through three of your blogs, and, and one of the last ones, I think, was on religion and politics, and I have to agree even with many of the things that you said there, but uh, I'd like to point out uh, one thing when, that I do on a regular basis to our listeners, and you probably haven't heard it yet, otherwise you would have wrote that a little bit different, I think. Uh, religion is only mentioned, the word religion only appears five times in the Bible. whole Bible, religion appears five times. Four times when they're talking about religion, they're talking about it in a bad sense. (laughs) (laughs) One time they talk about religion in a good sense. And and I'm using the word religion because that's what it's translated into. And when it's talking about religion in a good sense, it's talking about pure religion. And it says pure religion is how you take care of the widows and orphans or the needy of your society. And it's only pure religion if it's done unspotted by the world. And we also point out there are five different Greek words that they translate into the single English word world sometimes. And uh, that creates a certain amount of confusion. The word they use there is actually defined uh, in your affairs as a constitutional order or system of government. So they're saying pure religion is you taking care of the needy of your society, the truly needy of your society. We're not talking about the lazy. We're talking about people who, for some reason or other, a misfortune cannot support themselves. But to do that, unspotted by any constitutional order or system of government, other than by faith, hope, and charity. Once people realize that, John the Baptist was not the first guy baptizing people into the kingdom of heaven. Herod had been doing that for years. Uh, and this has come out with the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were uh, oppressed for you know decades. They didn't want anybody reading those. But uh, Herod was baptizing people in the kingdom of heaven. But when you got baptized by his ministers, you were registered. And when you were registered, you were expected to be required by statute, by the Sanhedrin, to pay in a certain amount of your income to fill the coffers of the Treasury to provide for Social Security benefits for those people who might become blind or indigent. But John the Baptist was out baptizing people, and they asked him how it works. And he says, if your neighbor has no coat and you have two, share. Faith, hope, and charity. And this is the distinction between Christ's religion and the religion of politics. In the religion of politics, you covet your neighbor's goods through the agency of government. And it makes a beast out of all of us when we do that. We don't, we don't hear the knocking on our neighbor's door, the kicking in of his door, the compulsory payment, the imprisonment of him, the taking away his house so that we can have free education. 
We don't see that. We just sit there and gobble up that free education and those social welfare benefits. And then we wonder why we're enslaved. And the Bible tells us why we're enslaved. Uh, David said it, Psalm 69:22. Let their table become a snare before them, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Paul in the New Testament quotes David and said, And David said, Let their table be a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Because they, uh, Paul was heading up a social welfare system that operated entirely by so free, uh, you know, faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. Churches don't do that. Used to do that in this country back in the 1600s and 1700s. They used to do that. They don't do it anymore because they don't have pure religion. They have what the Romans, the two words in the Latin that they translate into religion. One has to do with uh, the bonds of society, which would be faith, hope, and charity. And the other one is called superstitio. And that's what the churches have done is they've, they've gone into the ritual and unmoored the ritual from its purpose and precept. And they've delivered the whole world, whole world, back into bondage of Egypt. They're all, like you say, 130 different countries, uh, all operating in social welfare systems. And we point out we have people in other countries. Uh, about 20% of the people in uh, Santa Domingo don't go get a Social Security number. They can't get uh, they can't get more benefits. They can't get free education without that number. They, they call it a sechela. Uh, they don't get free health care or any of those things. But when they work, all the money they earn, they are paid. Nothing is withheld. It's 20% income tax in, in uh, Santo Domingo. Uh, I would point out on the show regularly in Egypt, where this bondage of Egypt started, uh, if you make a million dollars, you only pay 20% income tax. Why? Because the Bible says one-fifth. No more. <laughs> but that's the bondage of Egypt. We're supposed to never return there. And it, and I can't believe that God sent Moses to take us out of that and then send Jesus to start a church to take us back into it. But that's what the modern church thinks. So anyway, uh, that's our concept on religion. You might add that to your blog. That might have been interesting because I just read your blog on religion and politics. Um uh, uh, where would you like to take this interview? Do you have any other pet peeves that uh, you would like to bring up? I know I, I'm adding a few little uh, tidbits to what you've already said. Uh, and we've, we sent out to our, our newsletter, we sent out your blog so that other people can, you know, links to them so that they can see them. Well, uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll say that, uh, you know, I grew up in the Methodist church. Um, uh-huh. Always, always quite enjoyed the Methodist Church. It's one of, you know, they they say the word liberal, even though the word liberal means something completely different than what's portrayed in today's society. But it, it was a very open, um, very all the money, all the money that that church collected went to charity, went to helping others, and that is what I grew up in. And so my concept of a church was that literally it was almost as if it was just a uh a true in the in the truest sense of the word a non-profit organization that helped the community and i always thought that that's what all churches did until i started going 
and I almost I, I almost had an addiction there for a while where I would go to all these different churches and, and start studying how they actually operate and how the people are treated and how the people treat each other. And I was shocked that I could not find another church like mine. Mine, I was so fortunate to grow up in the church that I did. And then I found out that the whole history of Methodism is something that everybody should research because Methodist was actually a derogatory term in England, uh, Scotland, everywhere else in that area, the Methodists were actually trying to get the Church of England and uh, Catholicism to go back to what you just said, basically, which is to help others in need, to feed the poor and clothe, uh, I was going to say clothe the hungry, but I just got this too backwards. Uh, but, you know, that was the concept of the Methodist Church, and there's a lot of people within the Methodist Church now that are even trying to get the Methodist Church to, to go back to its roots. Um, and I find that to be the most pleasing religion, if you will, out there. Um, and it's a very interesting history to read and understand. So. Okay, we'll have one more break, and we'll be back, and we'll we'll take that a little bit step further towards the solution when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, We're talking to Clint Richardson, and we've been talking about the mark of the beast. We've been talking about the contractual nature of government. We've been talking a little bit about history, and now we've been talking about religion. 
and religion is how you take care of the needy. Now, almost all churches have a certain amount of charitable aspect to their existence, but it's token aspects. Uh, one of the things we pointed out, or actually I sent out to a, uh, one of the groups today, uh, is that uh, when people, sophists want to deceive you, they often don't translate uh, words in the other language, but they just put them there and then make them a proper name, such as the word Satan actually means adversary. Adversary of what? Adversary to you being a free soul under God. And they want to bring you into bondage under Nimrod, under Cain's, under Pharaoh's. Uh, so they're adversaries to God because that's what they're doing is they're hunting your soul so that you belong to them instead of to belong to God. The same thing they do also with words like Eucharist, which is the word for thanksgiving, being thankful for the opportunity of giving. And somehow or other, over the years, the Eucharist of Christ, which was the thanksgiving of Christ, turned into a wafer of bread, while in the early church, during some of the biggest and most horrendous famines in the history of the Roman Empire, was handing out sacks of brain, uh, bread and grain, uh, because grain went from six denarii for a sack of grain to 120,000 denarii because they took the silver out of the Roman silver denarii. It was iron coin, and they had runaway inflation, along with a number of other things they were doing, foreign wars everywhere, trying to become the policemen of the world. All these things that Rome was doing ended up bankrupting the country. And the people were starving. The Christians were thriving during this period because they were helping one another. So in churches today, we see a token of charity, but most churches have a list of government agencies they send you to. And we need to get back to the real church. And Clint was talking about the fact that when he was growing up in the, his hometown church, he saw that charity. But we have to realize that in the last, I don't know how old Clint is, he says he's a young man. <laughs> but uh, in my age, I've seen us go from uh, a community of, uh, of fairly charitable people to token charity in which uh, most people are dependent heavily on socialism from public schools on which is simply coveting your neighbor's goods. And Peter says, through covetousness, they will make merchandise of you. So we, we want to focus on the solution. I wanted to bring up one other thing I read in your uh, uh, one of your blogs, and you say the people of the United States resident within, actually this is a quote that you made, uh, resident within any state and subject to two governments, one state and the other national, but there needs, uh, but there need be no conflict between the two. The power of which one possesses, uh, the other does not. They are established by different purposes and have separate jurisdictions. Together they make one whole and furnish the people of the United States, and you know, actually I'm reading the wrong quote, I think, <laughs> or I didn't get down to the one I wanted to read. Okay, here's the one I really wanted. That that one is kind of important. I was in a whole room full of ministers, and I was pointing out that they are citizens of the United States, not citizens of the state they're in. They're only residents in their state. 
And the only one who could get that was the guy from England. And he said, no, he's right, because they all wanted to say, no, we're citizens of Oregon. <laughs> well, yeah, and, the, you know, the end of that quote says this. It says the citizen cannot complain because he has voluntarily submitted himself to such a form of government. That's a very important statement. Yeah, that that is good. That, that's why I have it highlighted here. Uh, but I actually I wanted to go on to another one that you quoted in uh, Lindman versus Lindman, or you say, uh, when two people decide to get married, they are required to first uh, procure a license from the state. And, of course, they're only required to get that license in order to obtain what the state is defining as marriage. They're not required to get that in order to become married. And we go, we explain that in Holy Matrimony versus Marriage and the International Acceptance of Holy Matrimony. Uh, but anyway... Uh, if they have children of this marriage, they are required by the state to submit their children to certain things, such as school attendance and vaccinations. And I know vaccinations is another uh, pet project of yours. Um, school attendance alone, we talked about that earlier, they don't teach history in school anymore. They, they teach social studies. and I can attest to that. And when they teach history, they teach a warped view of history, which has come about by design, actually uncovered uh, by people uh, like the Reese Commission and uh, by myself, by a collection of school books that go all the way back to the 1800s. I could watch and read and said, wait a minute, history is changing before my eyes as I'm reading these history books. And kids are being graduated now even from college and have no concept of history. And that's why we're rapidly, one of the reasons we're rapidly moving into this socialist uh, totalitarianism that we're, we're facing today. But the, the, the title on this show, uh, just to let you know in case you didn't see our notice that went out on the Kingdom News List, uh, was uh, Death Covenant. And, uh, and I guess that quote that I didn't finish reading, but you finished, voluntarily submitted himself to such a form of government. If you go to Black's Law Dictionary and you look up the definition of church, it talks about it being one form of government. The true church operates entirely by faith, open charity, providing pure religion through those charitable contributions of the people for the people and by the people, and not by sending the people to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. I'm quoting Jesus Christ right here. Jesus says, you are not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority one over the other. It is not to be that way with you. Those are, that's a decrees of the king. The churches today actually send people to those benefactors, and one of those uh, benefits or tutors they call in ancient history is uh, public schools, and the other one we see today as vaccinations. And I know you've done a film on vaccinations, so maybe we can talk this half hour a little bit about uh, vaccinations. Well, I, you know, I do want to say this, that the... Everybody quotes Black's Law Dictionary, and, you know, I was sent a link not too long ago, and I've been fascinated by it ever since. It's a link to 
Uh, John Bovier's Dictionary of Law. And jo John Bovier's Dictionary of Law was actually accepted in Congress in 1858, I believe. Well, before that as well, but the final version in 1858 as the official law dictionary of, of Congress and also the Supreme Court, apparently. I'm still trying to verify that. But uh, that, that is true. Bovier's is uh, uh, it's what they used to interpret the Constitution because it was around at that time. Exactly. Uh, and the blacks I use is blacks third. I, last mm. I heard, they were up to blacks ninth. Yeah, and, yeah. But it's interesting that the definition of church, and we use the blacks' definition of church because of the fact that you know, one of the things that we uncovered many years ago, many, many years ago, <laughs> decades ago, is that these laws that change in America are changing at the same time in places like the Netherlands or or Belgium or or uh in all these other countries in Europe, they change almost identical. Birth certificates are moved in the same way at the same time uh, because this is an international plan. We won't use the and I, I can word. certainly I can certainly verify that by saying that the government has made announcements that they are going to, or at least are considering, which means they're going to uh, switching to an international structure of accounting with regards to financial reporting. We're already on a system that includes Canada. Uh, and so, <laughs> well, yeah, we're definitely on an international system for just about everything. And that's, you know, you want to talk about the beast, you want to you start talking about the United Nations, keeping in mind that any treaty that is made with any country or entity um, really has power over any constitution. So once you make a treaty, that becomes the law. That becomes the. Of course, you have to submit to that form of government, as we as we <laughs> discovered. But uh, you know, treaties. People aren't watching, unfortunately, and these treaties are taking over their towns, their cities, their counties, their states. Are all in treaties with the United Nations, doing these green initiatives and sustainable development agenda twenty one. I mean, it's it's frightening when you realize what that means, because that means that the Constitution no longer functions as the Constitution of the Bill of Rights. What really functions is the International Declaration of Human Rights, which is a very frightening document, because in that document, it specifically has two goals that are completely against everything in the Bible and everything in this country, or at least what we thought our country was, those two things are private property no longer exists, period, end of story. Uh, not that it does now, but why that is true is because the second most important thing is to take away individual liberty in, in, uh, in lieu of the collective. In other words, the collective people of the world, not just the United States, but the world, because it's the International Declaration of Human Rights take precedent over any individual. So, likewise, of course, no one can have private property because the property really belongs to everybody. Right. It's a global community. Yay! No, that's that's what's taking over right now. And that's a, it's a very important thing to, to get that concept. Uh, there's a really good video on YouTube that explains this as well. It's called Agenda 21 for Public Officials. And anytime you're trying to talk to your local people, your local government, you should always, always give them that video 
and and make sure they understand what's said in that before you know because I'm finding that just about every county, every city has some form of ICLE or some other Agenda 21 group out there that has influenced, infiltrated, and created treaties and agreements with the United Nations. That's, this is one of the reasons why I was so opposed to the Constitution. And once I read in the Bible, there are five basic elements that you were to put in any kind of Constitution. Write it down. That's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 17:16. Uh, that if you were to elect a king, someone who could exercise authority and an executive officer uh, amongst you, you were to put these five elements in a written agreement that he was to read every day to make sure he keeps those. And one of them was that he had no treaty-making powers. Uh, he had no central bank as another one, that, and the other one is he had no standing army at his disposal. Uh, and, uh, of course, he was to do nothing to return you to the bondage of Egypt, which is exactly what the Social Security system did. And the fifth one is he had to be one of you. He had to be born one of you. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the only one they put in there of those five elements. <laughs> that's what I keep <laughs> saying to people is, look, you got to stop putting persons in the government. You gotta start putting people, you gotta start putting teachers and farmers and miners into government. Stop putting uh you know, multimillionaires into government. They're never going to represent the lower class, the middle class or anything even remotely until you get into the upper class. You're not gonna have representation unless you put one of you in. The 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 problem uh, is even more compounded than, than that is I don't believe that putting people in those government places is the answer and I think that's what Christ was dealing with at the time. Most people don't realize it, uh, that that system of Corbin that created the great treasury that built the temple that Herod built and he built other temples as well, Temple to Roma, using the same basic Social Security system which allowed him to impose an income tax. They already had a property tax from about 160 uh, A.D., and then they brought in other taxes in 78 to the Sanhedrin. But they got this huge treasury of assets and, and funds, and there were riots at the time of Jesus Christ under Pontius Pilate because they were pilfering the Social Security Fund <laughs> for mm. other projects. And so Jesus comes along preaching a government, the kingdom of God, which was what Herod said he was preaching, um, but he was preaching this other kind that operated on faith, hope, and charity, and he says, you don't put new wine in old wineskin. So he just started all over. When Christ died and rose again, he appoint, had appointed these men to be his ministers, but they were not to exercise authority. Anybody who got the baptism of Christ instead of the baptism of Herod was opting out of the social welfare system of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and opting into another system that took away the persona jurisdiction. That's actually what uh, Moses was doing, taking away that persona jurisdiction over those persons. Because even if you elected a farmer, capital farmer, capital miner, <laughs> M minor, those are occupations, and those people are all employees of the federal government already. Uh, 
because they have a federal employee identification number. See, with, the I think exception, you, with the exception of minors, minors are the only ones that, that are free people, actually. Well, maybe. I, I, I haven't read all your stuff on that. I, I, I probably will find some sort of disagreement there. One of the definitions you mentioned earlier of a freeman, who is a freeman, and, you know, there's always levels to all these different things. And one of the things that uh, the world likes to do is redefine words. And for our purposes, this word will mean this. You know, you see that all the time in the codes. Um, and then they'll redefine it. And there's like 40 different definitions of the United States <laughs> in the codes. you got to remember, in this code, this means this. But in this code, it means this over here. <laughs> But anyway, uh, the definition of Freeman in the Oxford Dictionary is still to this day someone having a freehold title in land. And about 30% of the Americans had freehold title in land at the time of the American so-called revolution. Uh, most of the people in America opposed the revolution. 50,000 Americans joined uh, the British to fight the, the, against the revolution. Uh, but it was this property class, these people who actually owned land in fee simple that was untaxable uh, by even the king himself. These were the actual free men, and these are the ones that took their stand. Now, today in America, because of things like the Federal Reserve and, and public education for 150 years, there are no free men, uh, black or white, because nobody has a freehold title in land. Is that possible? Uh in a roundabout sort of way, uh, we always, people always want to know how you get free today. Well, first thing you have to do is care about your neighbor's freedom as much as you do. That's and those exactly. people who do have to start educating themselves, educating their neighbor, and they have to start gathering together. And this is what your church should be. The, in a republic, in a pure republic, not a constitutional indirect democracy, which is what most people think of as a republic. <laughs> uh, your leaders are titular. They have no real power. That's in Bovier's that explains that. Uh, the government is separate. Uh, uh, well, I, I won't go through the whole definition right now, but anyway, the point is, is that the early church, by Gibbons, wrote, the rising, the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, one of the most popular books back in the 1770s, um, actually a series of books, said that the early church was a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire. Its ministers were titular. You contributed to them. They provided you with your social welfare. You didn't need to go to Rome for the free bread and circuses. You weren't an enfranchised citizen of Rome. You were a citizen, and they actually uses the word polytume, citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Of course, they don't translate it citizen anymore. They translate it conversation and what have you, but they actually use the word for citizen. They were an actual viable government, and when you went around, you showed your papers from the church uh, as your passport, as your logos so that you could travel, and they were actually recognized as a government. They still are today, but we have a bunch of Pharisees sitting in, in the place of the church or ignorant people. Some of them are just ignorant, and they're not delivering us back into the liberty of Christ. Well, you know, we've got to be, one of the things I've been looking at lately, and again, one of those things that have just really 
put me in a whole new level of understanding is actually going back to each individual state constitution, um, looking at the constitutional conventions for each state, and they have the enabling acts, uh, which state what needs to happen when a state, when a territory becomes a state. And <laughs> I was shocked to find that even back in the 1800s, there was this uniformity going on, uh, the uniform commercial code. All state constitutions, aside from the 13 colonies, uh, have basically the same exact writing in them in, uh, in these enabling acts. If you just type in enabling act for your state, uh, again, you'll you'll bring this up, and you will be able to find this information. Basically, what they say, <laughs> it's it's the same in almost everyone. It's the second paragraph. It starts with the word second, and it says that the people inhabiting said proposed state. Keep in mind, they were still a territory. So the people inhabiting said proposed state do agree and declare that they forever disclaim all right and title to the unappropriated public lands lying within the boundaries thereof, and that until the title thereto shall have been extinguished by the United States, the same shall be remain subject to the disposition of the United States. Every single state has this exact wording. It might change or vary a little. That was from the Utah Constitution. And we can go to the, the Constitution of Colorado, and we can see the same exact writing. Secondly, that the people inhabiting said territory do it agree and declare that they forever disclaim all right and title to the unappropriated public lands lying within said territory. So to become a state, people inadvertently, without knowing it, like you were just talking about those people with the, const the original Constitution, agreed to basically give up their land. Any right to, to ever get title to any new land, mining rights, uh, you know, it, it's, it's truly mind-boggling to realize that each Constitution in the state basically just handed over the state to the to the United States, which is that corporation in D.C. It, basically, everything became property, and we, we still fool ourselves into thinking that states have sovereignty, and yet when you read the Texas uh, Constitutional Convention, um, it, it specifically states that, that Texas used to be independent, now it's not. <laughs> it right. can't succeed. There is no succession anymore. It's, it's just a, it's a misnomer. Right. Uh, people still keep that in their little pocket of hope, and it's just not the case. Right. That, that, that's one of the things that we point out in some of the videos that we made, just little short YouTube videos, is uh, dealing with state sovereignty, that, you know, it's it's not even, it, it's an absolute delusion. Uh, all, your, all your congressmen in the states uh, are all federal employees. Uh, and when they talk about they were actually waiving their rights to unappropriated lands, that was the vacant lands that nobody had obtained. There there was actually lands off, there actually still is in a few places, lands still off the tax rolls because they've never, ever been entered into the tax rolls. One of the interesting pictures uh, on the front of uh, our book, The Free Church Report, is a picture of Lady Godiva. I love the hold the book up where it's, they can't see it, and I tell the pastors that that's whose picture's on it, and I go to turn the book around slowly, and they all expect to see some naked lady there. 
uh, riding on a horse, but Lady Godiva never actually took off her clothes. That was invented stories to keep people from finding out what she was really all about. She she owned land, she was the largest landowner in, in England, one of the richest women in England, and they were going to impose a tax that was actually to be paid to the church to take care of the widows and needy. Uh, this is way back in her day, and she opposed that tax. And her husband said that he didn't have any choice because the king was requiring it. This is after William the Conqueror, and the beginning of what they call the Doomsday Book. The Doomsday—they call it—they still call it the Doomsday Book today. That's the tax rolls. And the reason they call it the Doomsday Book is when all the lands are in the Doomsday Book, it's Doomsday. When all the land of of England and the world is in on the tax rolls. It's doomsday. It's the end. Because that was the first commandment to dress it and keep it. And people are losing their right to the land that almost all but lost it in America and in most of the world. But there actually is still hope and we won't talk about all that here. But um it, yeah, there is no salvation in state, as you, uh, as the quote you mentioned from the Supreme Court. Uh, I started reading. It doesn't matter state or federal. There, those are the two little horns of this giant beast that now goes around and devours who it will. But there is a plan, and Christ had it during the Roman Empire. Uh, Moses had it during the Egyptian Empire. And tell you the truth, even in the days of the Chaldees, uh, Abraham had it. But you can't tell what it is if you go to the modern churches because they're not telling you what that plan is. And that plan is not to elect a better emperor, but to form those groups, the tens, hundreds, and thousands, whatever you want to call them, that were so prominent in Europe for about a thousand years, were prominent in early Israel, or prominent in early Rome where people came together caring about their neighbor's rights as much as they care about their own. And then you will have a chance. Everybody's going to get free in one of these days because this system will collapse. But everybody's not going to survive freedom. And the only way to survive freedom is to start doing what Christ said. But anyway, we were going to, was going to try to get over on this vaccination thing. We were pointing out that if you get to state marriage, your children don't belong to you. Uh, if you go, uh, uh, maybe we'll take a little bit. We're not going to have enough time to cover vaccinations in the rest of this half hour. Uh, let me mention, uh, there's a thing called, uh, Parents Patria, uh, which you mentioned in your, uh, uh, blogs. Uh, which you, you had several quotes that brought that up. And, and basically it's where the state becomes your father. And we, cover this in the pamphlet uh, called No Man Father, which is what Jesus said. And when he said that, at that time, the senators of Rome were called patri, father. That's the way you addressed a senator. Uh, the emperor was called Patronus, our father. And so when Jesus says, how you pray, our father who art in heaven, he's saying literally, not don't say our father who art in Rome or our father who art in Washington, D.C., or our father who are in the United Nations, um, that you operate your entire life in a much different way. And we cover the three basic uh, steps to uh, moving from 
being under the authority of God and, and moving till the state becomes your father. And one of the ways uh, we do that is to accept benefits. If you're not going to accept benefits at all, you you either really darn tough or uh, you're probably going to die in the days ahead. And the reality is that we need to work together to supply our benefits so that we don't have to pray at the altars of the world and the world government. And they, the devil doesn't believe that we can actually come together in faith, hope, and charity. He thinks we have to be forced. And that's why you see so much of the hand of the devil or the adversary in everything that's going on in the world today. If you don't go to their schools, they want to force you. If you don't uh, get their vaccinations and their medical treatment, they want to force you. And they can because you've made covenants with them. And that's one of the things in the Constitution it talks about uh, your right to contract. And that the Bible tells us make no covenants. And Jesus said it. Paul said it. To make no covenants. What agreements do you have with unbelievers? Well, you got lots of them today. So anyway, when we return, maybe we'll get over into this concept of vaccinations. Uh, because that's an important part of what we're facing in, in these days. So we'll be right back to keep looking. Pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, one holy nation under the heavenly Father, with grace, mercy, and justice for all. The Greatest Prophecy DVD from Across the Border Productions embrace the little known, the greatest prophecy given by the great high priest, the once secret plan for mankind at the first sacrificial event. Believe it. Behold the end times in Daniel chapter 2 because the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation deception. Be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion because if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Be forewarned. America, in prophecy, exposed for all to see. You must see it. The mark of the beast. No, it's not a biochip implant. A much better and more secure technology is already here, and you are already using it. We will bonus you with a free copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, the Inquisition, when you send a support donation of $20 to First Amendment Radio, visit the shopping page at our website or send $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Send your support donation of $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, Avenue, Tulare, California, or $30 U.S. for international priority mail outside the USA. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the times to come. 
Will you be ready? The Greatest Prophecy DVD. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, there's several thoughts I was thinking about as uh, during the break uh, that we didn't quite finish. There's so many pieces in this puzzle uh, that uh, what happens is that when you, it's like a giant jigsaw puzzle and you start putting the pieces together and then all of a sudden there gets to be a point where you actually start seeing the picture but there's still pieces missing, but it gets easier and easier, and they start slipping into place more and more uh, to understand what was going on. And I didn't finish the thought about uh, Lady Godiva. She didn't take off her clothes, but she gave up her wealth, much of it, to build charitable institutions all over England. Uh, she uh, And her husband was actually did not enforce the tax because of that, and he actually became as... Uh, philanthropic himself taking his own wealth which didn't really her husband was uh, her second husband her first husband had died her second husband was a Norman and so he didn't impose the tax they provided all the social welfare to charity and many other people started to contribute as well and put it off but today we have a new religion in town and that is the church of social security and you need that social security membership card in order to get your public school, your public health, your vaccinations, your uh, to even get on a plane, you just about need it. Uh, although we have our own system of ID, and we have been flying with that, and it has been accepted, and we don't require a Social Security number. <laughs> and uh, we're moving in that direction more and more because uh, that's what they compel us to do if you don't have a social security number and many of us have never had one and uh, some of us uh, can't have one today by today's laws which we explain in the free church report uh, so it's not a matter of us not getting it or not using it because we choose not to it's because they say we're excluded um, the other thing I, I saw another quote in your blog uh, where you talk about uh, pursuant to parents patriot doctrine you're quoting here the primary control and custody of infants uh, is with the government to be delegated as of course to their natural guardians and protectors and what has happened is that the original natural guardian of your children was you in holy matrimony 
the original natural guardians and protectors of the land was you because God gave you the land and said, dress it and keep it. And it passed down from generation to generation and uh, through the families. But we've all but completely lost that. And the only way back is to back to that kingdom of God, that right to be ruled by God. In order well, to get back to there, we have to have that, the righteousness of God. What does that mean? You know, it, it, it's not as hard as it sounds, because right now, in order to have a mastery of law, of legality, of fee simple, and land patents, and land trusts, and deeds, and titles, and residents, and... You know, there's so much to know that it takes a lifetime, literally, to really understand it all. By the time you get there, you've already contracted everything away. You know, so right. Really, and and we're actually born in a time where we have our parents have already contracted it away. It's like well, and when they were, yeah. And when we were in Egypt, those people who walked out with Moses. Uh, they were born in servitude uh, because of what their parents had done generations before. I, and know, so, what it boils down to, I, it's such an easy concept, but it takes it takes all of this, you know, learning all of this stuff to realize this, and that is that religions, the types of religions we're talking about, actually take you away from God. The simplicity. <laughs> The simplicity of God, legal code, takes you away from God's law to do no harm to others or their property. Um, you know, the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, takes everyone away from the simplicity of natural healing, God's healing through what he provides on earth. Everything that is set up in society today is generally there to make you confused, to take you away from simplicity and responsibility for your own actions. Being a free man has nothing to do with anything except being responsible for yourself and others. It's that simple. And everything is set up. All this legality, all this code, all these things that were required, all these uh, snares and entrapments that, that bring us into being residents and citizens and all these legal terms, it doesn't have to be that way. It's just simple. Uh, it's as simple as just taking responsibility for your own, act your own actions and not being a part of, not voluntarily submitting, even though you don't know you're even submitting. You're voluntarily submitting. Heck, let, I mean, let's put it this way. Every single prisoner, every single one of them is in jail voluntarily. Oh, you sit back and you think about that statement, that everybody in the court system, everybody in jail is there because they agree to be incarcerated. It's voluntary, every single bit of it. And boy, if you think about that for a while, you, you realize, yeah, it's time to get back to God. You don't have to, you don't have to believe in every, anything. You just have to understand what God is. What religion, you know, again, religion, when it says in the Constitution that religion is a right, don't forget that every word in the Constitution has a legal meaning. So your freedom of religion is whatever the state uh, defines religion as. So don't don't forget that when you're reading these words, you can't apply it to the English language, the typical language that people use with each other. You have to know that this is a secret language, and you have to understand by going to Bovier's or Blacks 
understand what every single word in that constitution actually means, why some words are capitalized in the middle of a sentence, you know, these types of things. You can't just take it, all these things that are written, as, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. I can, I can, you know, I have the freedom of religion. No, you have the freedom of what law or legal code defines religion as. That's a very important thing to distinguish between. Right. And uh, the, uh, you know, I used to, back when they were passing the Insurance Portability Act, which is going to bring in this uh, Title 42, Section 666, mm. uh, you know, I was I discovered that there's you know, these these I was reading every law that was put before Congress that year, and I was doing this as an exercise just to see what was going on. I was just shocked at the size of these laws, and a lot of times now the laws aren't even presented to Congress and they're voting on them. Uh, so you can't even you can't even read them. They don't even read them. <laughs> they're not even available. Uh, but, it's not their uh, job to read them. Yeah, it's their job to pass them. Yeah, that's right. But uh, I discovered that there's, I thought, as big as these are, how do they keep track? Because they'll pass one of these laws, and it will change the codes in hundreds of different places all throughout the codes. Exactly. And yet, but there's a design to all this. These are, Whoever's writing these, you know, the the, the room of guys that get together and write these complex deals, there's a design in them, and there's a pattern. So they have to have some way of keeping track of everything, and that's when I discovered that there's a code within the codes. Why the statutes, because the, sta uh, the statutes, the bills that they're passing, you know, they don't say we're going to pass a bill, we're now Title 42, Section 666, we'll read this. They just have a clause inside this giant bill. And it changes this one over here, and this clause changes that one over there. So there was actually a code within that. What okay, I know that have? now, and I can follow that, but what's the point? And at the time of Christ, they were having the same problem. Jesus is talking about government. He's talking about law. He's talking about the way things should be. And they say, well, you know, what? how does this all work? And he says that all the law hinges on two basic laws. And one is you, you're to love God. And what is God? God is a giver of life, not a taker of life. He 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 is uh, fruitful. He produces. He gives life. And the other thing is you have to love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, in the church, the ministers have to love their neighbor more than themselves. The ministers, anyway because they have to be like Christ, who sacrificed himself for others. He came to serve. If we come with that spirit, whether you know any legal leads or not, you don't know all these codes, I can find you hundreds and uh, thousands of men who want to be free, but I I can't find tens of thousands of men who want to love their neighbor as much as themselves. And I point this out to different people in congregations as I travel around that you got to love your neighbor's children as much as you love your own children. And you have to be willing to tend to what Christ calls them. This is something I always bring up. Uh, they've heard this on this show many times. Is well, You ask a room full of pastors what Jesus listed as the weightier matters, and they don't know. They all studied the Bible their whole life. 
and they don't know. They can't tell you what Jesus listed as the weightier matters. Law, judgment, mercy, and faith. So when people have problems with the beast, we need to be there for them. You know, I think one of the words, the, the most important words that doesn't get taken into consideration is empathy, because uh, right now you have a government that is not empathetic to people. In other words, I mean, at this point, government doesn't even need the people anymore. It could kill 100,000 of us or 100 million of us and be perfectly fine with that, because you know what? It, it's set up a, you know, there'd be a 50% uh, orphan tax, and then there'd be a 40% capital gains tax when you have to sell everything to pay the orphan tax, the death tax. So. Right. I mean, government stands to benefit from the death of people. It has these social security and social welfare systems set up to where it, it has to pay out money from its big massive investment funds in order to so, – so people are a liability when they get past the age of 65 or whatever they're going to set the age of. We're in a situation where government is not for the people. It's against the people. It, people are liabilities. They're assets up to a point, and then they become liabilities. So this empathy, if you have a government without empathy to the people who do not want to help the people, as you just described, you've got a serious, serious situation on your hands. So I, I would like to read, uh, if you don't mind, um, I don't know much about this man, but there was a, a, a gentleman named Rudolf Steiner. Um, he had quite a quite a, an interesting bit of writing. And he, you know, at the end of my vaccination movie, which is Lethal Injection, uh, the story of vaccination. I, I just put this little snippet in real quick so the people that actually went to the very end actually, you know, you could pause it and read this little thing. But he basically put it this way. And I think that this, of all things, really brings it home. Uh, if you'll indulge me, he says, A longing will arise and become general opinion. Whatever is spiritual... Whatever is of the spirit is nonsense. It's madness. Endeavors to achieve this will be made by bringing out remedies to be administered by inoculation, just as inoculations have been developed as a protection against diseases. Only these inoculations will influence the human body in a way that will make it refuse to give a home to the spiritual inclinations of the soul. People will be inoculated against the inclination to entertain spiritual ideas. Endeavors in this direction will be made. Inoculations will be tested that already in childhood will make people lose any urge for spiritual life. He goes on in uh, a different lecture to say, I have told you that the spirits of darkness are going to inspire their human hosts in whom they will be dwelling to find a vaccine that will drive all inclination towards spirituality out of people's souls when they are very young. And this will happen in a roundabout way through the living body. Today, bodies are vaccinated against one thing or another. And in the future, will be vaccinated with a substance which it will certainly be possible to produce and this will make them immune so that they do not develop foolish inclinations connected with spiritual life. Foolish here, of course, in the eyes of materialists. Rudolf Steiner, in 1917, was talking about vaccines that would destroy empathy, that would destroy spirituality, whatever you want to call that thing in us that identifies with nature, with God, with everything that's important. And I 
of all the things in my documentary, I figure that's the one that really hits home with with you and your your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the yeah the vaccine is uh, is the product of the fact that we're already vaccinated with the spiritual idea of selfishness. Uh, this selfish governments that we see not just here in the United States or Australia or Canada or all over the world or China uh, is the product. This is one of the things I've noticed in studying history is that you, you can bring in a communist regime in China, but it looks a lot like the old peasant warlord <laughs> uh, dichotomy that has plagued China for centuries. Uh, it's just they've, they're wearing business suits and uh, they cut you off with uh, uh, other means other than swords and stuff, but the end result is, is from that same spiritual theme. And there are good people in China and there are bad people, but the same war is going on. The government we see created in the world today is a product of our own selfishness because we don't really love our neighbor as ourselves. We aren't really... If we were, we would be out there seeking others, you know, who think the same way and be gathering in the same way and have the patience to persevere into the end. What, what do you need to have a government that's completely voluntary? You need a forgiving population, people who forgive one another. You need a giving population, people that are charitable. You need people that will actually take the time to go and find out if you do need help and then show up, be Minutemen for Christ. And that's rare in this country today. I still think that in America there's a great seed of that around. And and people like yourself who evidently, uh, you know, gave up uh, a prestigious job in the hellhole called Los Angeles. I used to live in Los Angeles myself. <laughs> so I don't mind you using the word hellhole. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, uh, you know, you've you've taken the time to find out, and now you take the time to share this with other people. Yeah, you should join our network. Uh, you'd be a great asset to it. That's what I tell people all the time is everybody that we gather with that are beginning to wake up and are willing to spend the time and energy, that's the treasure of the kingdom. It isn't well, I, some vast gold reserve somewhere. I certainly am interested in reading all of these documents you keep telling me that you guys have written. They sound, uh, they sound right up my alley. Well, yeah, when I was, uh, when Mark first mentioned you, uh, uh, you know, he, he sent me a couple of links and then I found a couple more and, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, did he read my books? Cause he's saying much of the same stuff. <laughs> well, so you know, know. it's, it's the inevitable conclusions of, of, of anyone who starts well, actually, I should say who stops listening to others and starts looking for themselves. That's that's all it is. You know, you can listen until you're blue in the face to 20,000 different uh, DJs and shock jocks and everything else all trying to sell you something, or you can look for yourself. You know, you can take their advice and, oh, we've done all the research. You can trust us. Well, no, you can't, actually, because every single person that you listen to on the radio is going to be withholding something. And that's the beautiful thing about looking for yourself, because you will find what you're looking for if you look hard enough. And that's that's not all it is, you know. But you have to give up the the Hollywood. You have to give up the the notion that 
there's some you know what you just said is a perfect uh, a perfect way of putting it. I, I I usually say yeah you know you can't blame government, you can't blame the Rothschilds, you can't blame anybody because no one is forcing your hand to participate in this system. If you're a banker, you're participating in the system. Heck, if you're spending a Federal Reserve note. You're supporting the Federal Reserve. Even as you hold a sign up that says, in the Fed, you're going to go and buy a Coke with a dollar. <laughs> right? So everything yeah. that we do is voluntary. We are a part of it. We make it happen. It is not some hand that is forcing us. And as soon as you realize that, that's when you start realizing that you can be responsible for your own actions. You can do things of the light and not the darkness, and it's okay. It, 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 it's okay to say no to this society that's been created and pulled over your eyes. It really is. And, you know, the, one of the things you pointed out is that when you mention responsibility, I, I'm constantly saying if you want your rights back, you have to take back your responsibilities. Uh, and that responsibility is not just for yourself and for your children and for your family, but it's also for your neighbor. Uh, you have to care about your neighbor as much as yourself. It's not just a platitude that they put in the Bible because it sounds good. Well, it is an essential ingredient of a free nation. I'll tell you one of the best examples of that, and I, I know it, it disgusts me to be honest. And I keep thinking what I would do in the same situation because I have not been in the situation uh, since I've what you may call woken up. But you know, every time someone posts a new video and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos of police brutality, of, of false arrests, of illicit behavior by government, illicit meaning illegal, not of a warrant, you know, all these things. Nobody's actually doing anything. There's someone holding a camera, obviously, and they're filming it. But everybody around is just watching. Maybe they'll yell and say, please stop. Oh, please, please stop. But no one's actually helping their neighbor. They see a guy get tased, they see a guy getting beat to death, and no one steps in to do anything. A hundred people surrounding four cops that are beating up one man, and you're going to stand there and do nothing? Nothing? Okay, you have the right, the God-given right. The only reason that you have a right to anything is because you and you alone protect that God-given right. No, no, you can't. You don't hold a gun because you have a right under a constitution that says you can. If that were the case, there'd be no gun laws. No, you have the right to hold a gun because you're holding a gun. It's that simple. You have the right to do these things because you do them, and you don't let someone else tell you you can't. Likewise, to protect your neighbor, you might have to get your hands dirty. I hate to say it, you know, but unfortunately, that's the truth. What I've found a lot of times that I've been on court watches for other people for years and years, uh, you know, hopefully someday uh, if I ever end up in court, <laughs> uh, they'll show up for me. But uh, uh, that's the casting your butt upon the waters, hopefully, and it'll come back to you. But uh, the fact is I find that if you show up with a true, pure heart and uh, that person, same perspective of being able to see the truth and observe it, that the evils that are often in those courtrooms lose their power. But you have to show up, and you have to actually be there. You have to actually have that empathy you talk about. You have to have that care, not just for that individual, but for righteousness. That if you see unrighteousness, you have to see it. And 
realize also that that cop or that judge is a victim mm. of our weakness. You know, Absolutely. Saul, this is what I call the Saul syndrome, Saul became this king. He was a great guy till you made him king. Then he was corrupted by the power you gave them as a people. When we give power to these men, we corrupt them. We tempt them to become corrupt because we gave them power that we should be exercising. And, and if we show up with that forgiving nature, but yet seeking righteousness, you would be amazed at how you can stop violence right on the street without the gun even. Not that I tell people you to kill about it. All you, all you have to do is prove in that court or prove to that police officer that they don't have authority there's only one thing that has authority and that is the creator that that's it no earthly governmental thing can have more power than that it's that simple and once they once you take the emperor's clothes off and say you have no power you're a fiction. You're, you're, you're an entity that seeks to take God's place over, <laughs> over me, uh, and, and I don't give you that, that right. I don't, you know, like in, like these, uh, I don't give you that exaction. I don't allow, I don't allow you to extort from me. Then you, you win. It, it's that, it's, it's, it's that simple. Now you're dealing with a very corrupt thing here, of course, and so you can't win all the time, but boy, you will win spiritually. Right. Nothing else. And, and you, it's got to be for real. We're, unfortunately, we're at the end of our hour. <laughs> it's been great having you on, and we'll uh, let you know uh, when we uh, are able to get this up for others to hear. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. God bless. Thanks, Paul, for being there. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.